Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. In this edition of Hoopsology, Justin and Matt welcome sports writer for Ball's Life, Sarah Jane Gabelli. We get Sarah's insight regarding the James Harden trade, the Boston Celtics title chances, and the expansion of the WNBA. And now, Sarah Jane Gabelli. She is a sports writer for Ball's Life, and you can see her work also on Celtics blog. We welcome Sarah Jane Gabelli onto Hoopsology. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you? Doing really well. Thanks for coming on to our show. Appropriate timing. There's lots to discuss. Um, and let's begin with just this big blockbuster trade. Um, you broke it down for Ball's life with James Harden moving to the Clippers. Very tumultuous offseason for him. Just your thoughts on the trade and just your overall impressions of James Harden's legacy. Like, where do you fall? Are you more critical of him or do you see potential as still him as a top elite player within the NBA? Well, I know I know he gets a lot of backlash, right? I mean, you know, we saw him come off the bench in the OKC days and, you know, had such a super team with, with Russ and all them. And, you know, he's had such a up and down career. I just want to say, you know, he is still a hooper. You know, as much as people don't think, I mean, the amount of assists that he averaged last year, we can't forget that. But undoubtedly, it has been tumultuous. And... I didn't think Daryl Morey was going to pull the trigger. Um, James Harden said, hey, I want to get on a plane and earn my money and play. And they said, nope. And, you know, we were just kind of like the Damian Lillard trade. We were kind of waiting to see. So when we heard that late Monday night, I said, well, it's kind of a, a win for him. I mean, the Clippers, you know, they're healthy now with Kawhi and Paul George and even Russell Westbrook is uh, doing well over there. So. I, I think it's a win for James Harden. I, I think as far as the Philadelphia 76ers, they get all those role players, right? They didn't have to give up any of their starters. And that could turn into, what, 50 or 65 in cap space next year? Maybe yeah. in the offseason for them to get some kind of starter. So as far as his legacy goes, I mean, I think he's got to win a championship. I think it's, you know, he's kind of pushed everyone out of his corner, including Daryl Morey. I mean... GM of the Houston Rockets when he was there. So when you push everyone out of your corner, it's kind of like this is, I feel like this is kind of his last dance. Um, you have the Clippers. They've been so close in the Doc Rivers days. Um, I, I just feel like it's his last chance to kind of like save that. So what are your expectations for the Clippers? I mean, he reunites with Westbrook. He's there with Paul George, Kawhi, collection of superstars. Um, as I was talking with Matt earlier on paper, you know, to a casual basketball fan, they, they should, you know, be one of the favorites to win the title. But as we've seen, just because you have a bunch of superstars, doesn't mean you're going to be the, the number automatically in the finals. So what are your expectations for this team? Do we, are you taking the Clippers serious as a contender or do you have to see a lot within the first half of the season to become convinced? Well, I think the Clippers have surprised, you know, so far they're, they're up there right now. I think they're two and one. Um, I think with any big three or trio in the WNBA or sorry, NBA, you always have to see like, what is the chemistry going to be? Yeah. I mean, look at him. We looked at him and Kyrie Irving and, 
KD and it just wasn't really working in Brooklyn. So yes, I feel like he could absolutely take them from a good team to a contender. If there isn't any kind of hostility, um, you have ball dominant players. You know, how is he going to be the, probably the third option right over there in the Clippers? You know, how are Kawhi and Paul George going to handle him dribbling for 30 seconds, you know, up the court? But I do believe, you know, he can attack off the dribble. He can add some easy shots, get to the rim. Um, it's just going to be chemistry. I, I think on paper, it looks great. And we've seen that with the Clippers and the Chris Paul days, Blake Griffin, all those guys. But I, I, I think I'm going to have to see a little bit and how it's going to work. But I, I am a little bit encouraged that he has played with Russ. But getting older, I think they're what, 32, 34 years old. It's, it's man, as long as they can stay healthy, I think they're going to be legitimate contenders. If you can like, you know, not have any drama. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel mixed about it. Cause it, yeah. it does seem like it could be a pretty big if as to whether there's drama or not. I, I think a, a big concern that I've been hearing about and seeing is, you know, the, the ball being taken out of Russell Westbrook's hands and how, how are they going to deal with that? But it seems to me Westbrook ha has been willing to be a little bit deferential at, at this point. So I don't know. It's 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 tough to predict how this is going to be. But it it seems concerning that in spite of the numbers being there, you know, as as everyone's been saying, this is like the fourth team in the last three years. So I, I really don't know where to go with it. And um, it seems like such a unique thing that you have this collection of players on this team where so much of it has just been for one reason or another, not saying even certainly not all of it is even their faults, but this collection of players hasn't been able to be on the court for, for a lot of the time. So it's like, how, how do you predict something that, you know, you haven't seen play on the court in many cases? Um, what do you see from the Clippers so far? Have have you been able to catch much Kawhi and how he's looking to this point? I mean, it's hard because I'm on the East Coast. So I've, you know, it's been such <laughs> a small sample size. I, I did see that Spurs game last night, which was crazy. I saw the Lakers game. But, um, you know, much to your point, I mean, we haven't even seen really Kawhi or Paul George really even play that much together. Yeah. When you put in a kind of a disgruntled star, it's like, how is it really going to work? But, you know, Kawhi's Kawhi. I mean, he he took the Raptors to the championship and, you know, he's always going to make his shots and and be that guy. But um, much to your, to your point, how much is Russ going to play off ball? Uh, he's not the best three-point shooter. Um, you know, how is Harding going to play off the ball? I mean, those are all questions that I have, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Do you get the sense that Balmer, I mean, we've, we've heard the news that with this deal, Harden can't be extended during this season. It's going to happen presumably in the off season. Presumably you would think they had this conversation before making the deal. Do you see this as like an open checkbook situation and maybe like Ishbia and, and Balmer are going to be just throwing all the chips on the table for the, the next couple of years anyway. Well, you remember his reaction when they signed Paul George and Kawhi, right? I mean, it was, right. like, it was like he hit the lottery. He was yeah. dancing. And, you know, I think we all had those high expectations. You know, I think I was like, wow, they're going to be great. 
But again, I think it's going to come down to this season. And and I can't see them leaving as in George and Kawhi, but I, you just never know. You know, I mean, maybe maybe things take a turn for the worse where they're like, I'm, I'm out of here. And I know he's a California native, but like, I, I think it's going to have to take a little bit of time. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he opens a checkbook. I mean, he was willing to do it with, you know, George and Kawhi. And there's just, even through injuries, they're very optimistic over there. But uh, it's it's definitely going to be interesting for sure. I'm, I'm kind of with you, Matt. I'm kind of like iffy on this, just like with the, with the Kyrie trade. Um, nice. Going to the Mavs, I was like, this, this is either going to go yeah. really well or this is going to go really bad. <laughs> Good so point. yeah, sign me up for any time Steve Ballmer's <laughs> yeah, excited yeah. about anything though. I, I, He's great. I, love it. I love him. Right. <laughs> no, no, totally agree. Um, I want to shift gears and talk about the Boston Celtics. They're three and oh, good start so far, but huge expectations. Where do what do you make of this team with Tatum and Brown? Are, are you on the side of like if they don't win the championship, they could be split up or what do you make of this duo? Because I think there's been a lot of doubts. I think they're a great duo. I think they're they're an elite um, force within the league. But there's high expectations for this team. I think previously um, they've been, you know, there's been a lot of disappointment with them not winning the championship. So overall, is it kind of title or bust? And anything else, is this going to be pretty much secondary? Oh, man. Well, I was at Game 7 last year against the Heat. And that was like the biggest letdown, right? I mean, you could see the. Oh man! Well, my 2008 oh. championship oh. here. Oh man! Wow! You know, I, I live for the Celtics, so you know, on media day, you know, Celtics management was like, "This is we're gonna win or die trying on Banner 18." I mean, I've never seen them so locked in. Um, you know, they signed Jalen Brown to that supermax. I yeah. know JT is up. I, they're definitely not splitting up. Um, I mean, in fact, Jalen Brown, he, I mean, he's, he's invested in the community, the team. Um, I mean, yeah, I have very high expectations for the Celtics. I think the only thing this year, and if you guys want to chime in, we're very top heavy and, you know, with Porzingis coming over, you know, we lost that grit with Marcus Smart and Grant Williams and even Robert Williams. And if Al Horvard gets hurt and him being older and KP, if he can stay healthy, I mean, we're very thin at the front court. So that's the only thing that scares me because Luke Cornett is not really like a top center in my eyes, but you know, I love, I love the pairing of Drew Holiday. I love Derek White. They're one of the best defensive duos in the league. And you've seen it through the first three games or three and oh, but there's definitely, definitely a lot of ISO ball, a lot of one-on-one, not a lot of ball movement. And I, I think we have a long way to go in terms of chemistry. I, I think with JT finding his role, uh, Jalen Brown trying to, you know, get the turnover situation cleaned up, left-handed dribble. There's there's a lot of things I think this team needs to work on to be a championship-winning team. Why is that the case? You mentioned iso ball, like, especially with Tatum and Brown and just kind of with Przingis with his skill set. Is that just because this the chemistry is trying to be worked out? Is that kind of the early season game plan, or do you foresee that being a trend that might, you know, can persist throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, if you guys look at last, last year and even the year after it was Brown and Tatum, right? Sure. You know, even in the finals against the Warriors, it was them. The team was put on their backs. So I think naturally everybody wants to be great. JT said he wants to be one of the best players in the world. Power to you. I think he's top five, top 10 easy, 
but at some point, KP is going to spread the floor, right? Like, that's why they brought him in. He's going to be a rim protector. They're going to be able to get those rebounds, stretches down in the fourth quarter. And I think it's just going to evolve overall. It's going to be less one-on-one. They're going to have to pass the ball. And that top five can shoot shoot the three, top six, even at Harvard, you know? So I think right now they may be trying to find, like, what am I good at? How do we work together? But honestly, Justin and Matt, if they just learn how to work together and take the pressure off of each other, I, I think it's going to work out. But, um, you know, JT, he loves, he loves ISO. He loves to go one-on-one. You know, that's his thing, but... Again, I'd like to see a little bit, a little bit more passing from them. Yeah, fair. Hopefully that that develops as they have more games together. Wanted to ask about the the initial fit and what you're what you're seeing, what you're reading. I mean, I think I, I don't think I've ever heard anything bad about Drew Holiday from anyone around the league. It seems like universally everyone kind of likes him. Uh, we know Porzingis, you know, and Luca didn't quite play nice together towards the end there in Dallas. And then he went to Washington where, you know, you don't hear much from, from the wizards, uh, unfortunately, but he had a good year. Um, how do you see chemistry so far on this team? I mean, you mentioned, of course, on the court, they got to figure each other out, get that in place. But what's, um, what's the attitude like around the team? Well, from what I gathered, I think they have Rajon Rondo. They have Paul Pierce up there. You know, Sam Cassell is an assistant coach. So apparently their practices have been like really intense. Mm. Um, you know, I know Drew Holiday, it was tough for him moving his family, you know, beginning of the year. Um, and KP, he's just ecstatic to be here. You know, rejuvenated his career uh, in Washington. Honestly, I think one of the, one of the most underrated defenders last year um, yeah. has had the best healthy seasons, as we know, uh, you know, with the Mavs, the Knicks. But, uh, you know, I think, like they said, chemistry is going to take time. And they've said this game after game. We're just going to continue to grow it. So whether whether that's off the court, on the court, I think that's so vital in a championship winning team. I've seen it time and time again. You know, even the WNBA finals, the Aces, they they had so much team chemistry. So I I think having a winning goal in mind, especially with Drew being a championship you know, vet having a ring. Um, they all have that number one goal in mind. So as far as Drew Holiday goes, I mean, I was a little questionable, you know, how he was going to play off the ball, on ball. I think that's going to be a developing thing between him and Derek White. But man, what we what have we seen with him on defense, you know, so far? I mean, incredible. So again, um, it's got to be chemistry on and off the court can't just be like, oh, let's go to work. We're going to win a championship. They they got to develop it off the court as well. No, completely agree. Um, I want to get your perspective on just the Eastern Conference overall. Um, you mentioned Drew Holiday. He is involved in a huge trade with Damian Lillard. Lillard's now with Giannis. That duo um, seems to be working pretty cohesively at early parts of the season. What do you kind of make of this? the conference overall with like the Celtics in terms of their roadblocks. Um, Do you think right now the heat they're one and three, but I think, as you know, they could always, you know, they're always a threat no matter really what their record is. Where do you see kind of the potential roadblocks for the Celtics, you know, not only in a regular season, but come playoff time. Do you think with 
the Bucks getting Damian Lillard, do you think that is a potential roadblock for them or the Sixers for just everything to happen with them um, or any other team within just the, the Eastern Conference? Um, where do you think those kind of roadblocks lie for the Celtics to, to get back to the NBA Finals? Yeah, well, much to your point, you know, the Heat always find a way to win. Eric Spolstra is one of the best, yeah. no matter who they have. You know, and I know they didn't get Dame, but they have they have some rookies there. And I, I think eventually, yeah, they're one in three. They're they're gonna be there. They're gonna find a way to be there. Um, I, I love Damian Lillard. He's one of my favorite players, but when I saw the trade, I said, Oh no, <laughs> you know, because wow. I think him and Giannis could be one of the best pick and roll duos in the game. Um, you know, they're gonna work out some kinks, but you know, the Bucks mainly lost last year because of Giannis and, and his injuries against the Heat. So the fact that they were able to keep their starters and main main core and have a little bit deeper bench than the Celtics, that worries me for sure. I think with Boston, um, you know, Sam Hauser, Peyton Pritchard, um, I just don't know how much they're going to be able to compete off the bench. I mean, they're going to have to, you know. We can't have our starters play 40 minutes through 82 games. It, it's just not feasible. So the 76ers, I think they're going to compete. You know, Nick Nick Nurse is there. I, I think they're going to have some trouble uh, just because of all the drama that's gone on. We don't know how these role players are going to play, you know, Bayton, et cetera. So I, I would say the Bucs are, are definitely, definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with this year um, for sure. I, I don't see them. What are they, two and one right now? I don't even know what they're. Um, I think that's right. Yeah, they're yeah. two and one. Yep. And I know the Cavaliers are one and three, but they've mainly been unhealthy. But even teams like the Cavs or the Knicks can sne- sneak in defensively. So to me, the East is not as strong as the West, but those are kind of the roadblocks for me, honestly. Yeah, to that point, I mean, it, it seemed like everything that fell down right before the season, I mean, namely, of course, that Dame Lillard trade, but it seemed like almost everyone other than Lillard was going west. And then you have like this top tier, it seems like everyone agrees with that it's, you know, Celtics Bucks, maybe not in right. that order, maybe so in that order. Are Is there, and, and you know, I think the perception, of course, is that the Sixers maybe are weaker unless Maxi really, really shines this year. Do you see any other team in there that, um, you know, we mentioned the sneaky heat, but any other sleepers in the Eastern Conference that, that could really surprise as a potential contender that maybe we're not seeing right now? Um, I mean, right now they have a pretty good record, but I've been surprised by the Pacers. And the mm. amount of offense that they've put up, whether it's sustainable or not, um, you know, I'm not sure. I, I think they could be a, a sneaky good option. Or like I said, um, it's so hard because we have such a small sample size, right? Like the sure. Brooklyn Nets have been playing hard. Um, but, you know, def- I would say definitely the Cavs for sure. Um, you know, I, I think Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, you know, if they can stay healthy or uh, a top combo there. Um, the Hawks, you never know what you're going to get. You know, I know Murray had a huge game the other night, but, uh, you know, I'm, uh, it's just trying to think it's just been, it's been such a whirlwind. This, this, oh, yeah. such a great week of basketball, really. Agreed. But, uh, you know, I'm surprised what the, what the Pacers are doing. I think they're, they're doing something special there. I know when they got Bruce Brown in the off season, they were, I don't know, 
I, I don't think they're going to take it all, but they, they definitely have some pieces over there. So I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe like uh, Kings of the Eastern conference for this year. Maybe. Yeah. With, that's, with that that's a great analogy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> love that. No, no, completely agree. Um, I want to shift gears to the league overall in season tournament. I believe at the recording of this podcast, I think kicks off tomorrow or Friday. Um, if I'm not mistaken, um, the courts have been released of all 30 teams. I think it looks pretty cool. What do you think of the NBA taking an idea that's been successful for the WNBA overall? Do you think from what you've seen from the WNBA, do you think you'll see the players take it as serious as their counterparts um, within the WNBA? Like, do you think it's going to take a couple of years for um, just this change to take effect within just the league in general? Or do you think um, from what you've seen, especially with the Celtics, some excitement for this end season tournament coming up? Sure. I mean, with the W, the commissioner's cup is, is very cool because not only do these women get cash prize, it's for charity. So, you know, it's a little bit more special to them near and dear. I know when the Liberty won theirs, you know, they were, they were very prideful of that. I think for the NBA, Yes, it's another way to compete. I, I think it's more, it may be a way to make money for viewers. I, I, I saw the courts. I thought they were cool. I, I think it might take a, a little bit of time. I think this season is already so lo long as it is. I don't know if these superstars really are going to want to compete and do this. Um, whether, I mean, they all just want the Larry O'Brien trophy, right? I feel like that's just kind of their main goal. So I think it's really going to take a first year to see you know, is this going to be good to the NBA or players are going to be receptive? I know Joel Embiid's been vocal and said, you know, this may be great. It may not. It gives us another chance to compete. Um, but it's an interesting, it's just interesting in, in the NBA. You know, they, they make their money. They have their money. You know, why else? Maybe it would, would be great for teams that aren't going to make a championship run. You know, I'm just trying to think it in a positive term. Um, but I, I really don't know how seriously these guys are going to take it. Um, especially with all the load management, you see guys out kind of on a nightly basis now. Um, it's, it's a long season. So I, I think it adds a little bit of excitement though, to the league. I think it's something different just like with the all-star, the East and the West coming back. I, I think the NBA needs to change something a little bit. So I, I think, uh, I think we'll just have to see after after a season. I'm optimistic. I think it's cool, but a lot of people have been saying, eh, the NBA doesn't need this. You know, the players are going to get hurt. You know, they don't want a trophy. But if you've seen what it's done for the W and maybe if they can add some charity in it, then it would have a little, maybe a little bit of a different meaning. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I'm not sold that like um, a cash award is really going to be much of an incentive for, for a lot of right. these NBA players, unless it's maybe like they want to get the rookies that cash bonus or something like that. Maybe there's, there's real motivation there, but, uh, but I'm with you. I think it's, it's a good thing. Justin and I have been talking about like having this sort of milestone and something to look forward to that's well before Christmas hits. Like it, it feels like a lot of time in the league, you know, the season isn't actually starting until like those Christmas day games, people right. start getting pumped for that. And granted there's the football competition element and all that stuff going on with it, but I I'm all for them kind of throwing this paint on the wall, so to speak, and seeing what sticks. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's kind of the time where everybody starts to like watch basketball. So it could either be really exciting and maybe draw in some new viewers. But like you said, the cash prize, I just, I don't see it as an incentive, you know? I think, I don't know. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. I think with Adam Silver, he wants to employ kind of a European soccer model. And I think with those tournaments, those have gone on for just decades. And when you're trying to incorporate something new, it's just going to take time. So eventually, I think it catches on, but I think it's going to struggle um, within the next few years. But I'm optimistic. I, I think it's, to me, it's better than just some just average games on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. At least there's something to play for. So um, as a viewer, I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, shifting gears again, I want to ask you, since you covered the WNBA, um, and I believe today there's been a lot of just conjecture about um, the WNBA expanding into Portland. It seems like that's not going to happen. For sure, San Francisco is going to get a team. What is your overall impressions of just the WNBA taking the next step, expanding, getting two additional teams? Um, are you... I guess the league's been on really, I think, on fire since the pandemic, just through just multiple measurements. Uh, where do you think the next step of the league is besides expansion overall? Well, I just want to say it's fantastic. I think I've had the opportunity to see Kathy Engelbert speak, which was amazing. Uh, she touched on a lot of different things. I think the problem with the W compared to the, the NBA is there's 12 teams. There's not enough yeah. roster spots. The NCAA, you know, the popularity has just exploded. I mean, you see Caitlin Clark, 55,000 people coming to watch her play. I mean, this is going to move to the W, hopefully. You know, you've seen Sabrina Inescu, you see Angel Reese, you see Paige Beckers, all these girls coming up. And I think it's it's vital for the league. Uh, 13 teams is, isn't enough. 14 teams isn't enough. There, there needs to be more roster spots. It's it's one of the hardest leagues to prove yourself. And, you know, as much as the league has taken off, Justin, I think a lot of the players, the commissioner, you know, charter flights. I, I think, you know, in besides of the expansion, these, these girls have to get private flights. I think, you know, practice facilities, all of those things are going to be vital for players, you know, growing the league. And then also the media rights deals, as she talked about. I, I think I think the contract's up in like two years, but that's really what it's about. It's it's the media right deals. So when you put all those things together and you have the league growing, I, I think you're going to see change. But with the expansion, you know, Portland, whether it's Portland, Denver, um, you know, I think it's a great thing that Golden State's kind of taking them under their wing, right? Just like the Mavs did with the wings. I mean, you get practice facilities, you have owners, you have investors that are, you know, they're invested in this, you know, they're invested in these players they are invested in the league. These women are athletes just like anybody else. So it's come a long way, you know, there's still a lot to go, but um, it's, it's exciting to see the expansion, especially in, in the Bay area. Yeah. It seems like with how the NCAA tournament blew up, I mean, around Caitlin Clark, you wonder if she's going to be, you know, like the NBA had Kareem, the NBA had Wilt, uh, you know, these these iconic players that kind of incrementally grew the league. It it does feel to me like Caitlin Clark is one of those players. Like, is is she the WNBA's, you know, 
bird or magic and and can she find her <laughs> her magic or bird to to be a great rival against you know we saw some of that right off the bat in the NCAA tournament absolutely and and I think you know Sabrina Ionescu I think we missed that with her with the pandemic yeah. I mean she's another one where just such a sensation you watch her play and people just fill the Barclays it's it's incredible you know and no. to see 17,000 people, it was just, it's so great to see that. But with Caitlin Clark, yeah, I, I definitely, she can hoop for sure. Very, very exciting to watch for absolutely. At the risk of being like hypercritical, because we've had a lot of like WNBA reporters have asked the same question. They, they seem to disagree with me, but I just come, I think my mind, especially now just with business, seeing a lot of disruption being successful in terms of, increasing popularity for certain sports and i see with a WNBA with all this momentum i see more of like a wait and see and just kind of like let's just go with the flow a little bit in terms of kind of the leadership of the WNBA. like you mentioned just with charter flights i think that's inexcusable especially for a league that's linked to the nba i think that's just I don't know why that has not been fixed for all the teams involved, especially since there are just currently 12 teams currently do you think with kathy engelberg I view her as kind of passive. Um, can you kind of explain like why her, I guess, measured approach is the best for this league to succeed? Because to me, I just see, like you mentioned, all these great things that are happening. I just think the time to take advantage of that is now. Um, is Do you see, I'm I basically overreacting in terms of just kind of what she's done. I really, I don't want to dismiss her accomplishments. I think it's been a lot, but I just think right now, I think it's kind of like it's time for a pedal to the metal with this league. And I just think with, like you mentioned, with the charter flights, just with kind of other certain things, I just feel like it's time to just capitalize on just the momentum, especially with Caitlin Clark coming into the league. I just feel like everything has to be set for not only her, Angel Reese. Um, I just think a lot of these just different, you know, I wouldn't call them problems, but just pet peeves. I just think they have to be shored up just by the time they arrive. So overall, do you see her kind of being, I guess, the, the, the one to really push the WNBA into the future for years to come? Um, I mean, actions speak louder than words, right? I've, I've, you know, I, I respect her, you know, I've obviously seen her speak several times, um, including with Brianna Stewart won her MVP sure. and you're right. I mean, the time is now, I mean, when are you going to wait? It's, it's popping off. It's one of the, what most watch finals in history merchandise sales are at an all-time high digital media everything is just at an all-time high so for me i will be very critical if these things do, don't get done i mean i'm i'm happy she's seeing them and addressing the media yeah we have a charter issue but to me justin i feel charter should have came before the expansion i know they're both really important but charter just can't come 50 percent of the of the of the finals these girls need to recover especially going to vegas you know back to new york i mean i couldn't even recover i can't even imagine these girls you know yeah. or women so i i think now is the time especially with all the talent and i i do think she she could absolutely push this she's she's a brilliant businesswoman um she has a very very good grasp on economic structure for sure and how business works but ultimately it's going to be you know actions you know words into actions what are you going to do for the league so we saw the expansion you know she's been talking for a couple of years 
So now I believe, I do not quote me on this, I think there's a second team coming. And, you know, we saw Kim Kardashian have her Skims brand with the WNBA. So I think all of these things, Matt and Justin, are, are just, they're going to happen. It's going to be just like this. And if it doesn't, I'm going to be really shocked. I'm not going to lie. Especially with a league that just thrive, you know, thriving, uh, you know, compared to past years. No, completely agree. Sarah, this has been a fantastic chat. Thanks for taking some time to join us. Thank you guys so much. Please let our audience know where they can find you on social media, where they can find all of your work and anything else you want our audience to be aware of. Sure. So you guys can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Sarah Jane Gamelli. I'm also on ballislife.com. I write for them and Celtics blog. But Justin and Matt, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hoopsology presented by Ball's Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.